G'day mate, welcome to episode 51 of the Exponential Performance Podcast. In this week's episode, we are talking about the supplements that you should be taking if you have an injury to help you recover. And also, EPC coach Nick Taylor is talking about hydration. Let's get into it. Welcome to the Exponential Performance Podcast. Join sports scientist and performance coach Matty Graham to find out how to train smarter and maximize your performance no matter who you are. G'day mate, welcome to episode 51 of the Exponential Performance Podcast. It is so good to have you here tuned in with me. What's been going on with you? I hope your training's going well. For me, I am into my second week back on the program, so to speak, after the great Southern Brevet. And I'm just starting to get back into the swing of things. Last week was pretty low key. Uh, This week, trying to step that up a little bit. Focusing on being consistently consistent with my training as much as I am able to. Last week I said I was going to release a video about some of the strength training sessions that I have been up, uh, have been doing. Um, I didn't get around to that last week. I've got a bit of a backlog of videos um, to process before they um, can be released, but that will be live later on this week. And also I released some videos about the gear that I took on the Great Southern Brevet and also a video about my uh, ride over that 1,100 kilometer ride. So if you wanna see those, head on over to my YouTube channel, which is just youtube.com slash Matty, M-A-T-T-Y, E-P-C. And you can uh, and check out those. Also got a bunch of other videos over there as well. I recently released one about how to keep fit while you travel and also about how to build your endurance with LSD or long slow distance. I'll put a link to those two videos in the show notes over at exponentialperformancecoaching.com slash 51 for episode 51 or you can go over and check those out at the YouTube channel. Remember all of the podcasts also go up up over on my YouTube channel and last week I actually added in a few little additional bits and pieces to the video um, which were photos of my recovery from the Great Southern Brevet and I'm going to try and do that with the podcast over on YouTube from now on adding some photos um, about different things I'm talking about or different charts or graphs try and make them a little bit more um, useful rather than just uh, the the audio over on on YouTube so I'll keep that in mind and I'm going to keep working on doing that now What I'm going to do is pass over to EPC coach Nick Taylor and he's going to give you a bit of a rundown on what he's been up to with his training. Nick, over to you. Hey guys, right now as I record this I'm currently sitting in front of Lake Wanaka uh, this weekend. Challenge Wanaka is on, a uh, half Ironman in Wanaka, New Zealand, and looking at the swim course, it is gorgeous. If you're swimming out there right now, you'd be swimming in some very flat water, so fingers crossed in a few days' time, it remains calm for you, and if you're doing it, I wish you all the best. 
um, make sure you let us know how you get on. Quick update from me on my training. Uh, last week, as I mentioned, I was in the first week of a build cycle. So it's about a 14-hour week for me, uh, which, given I work a full-time job and also do some coaching um, and, and have a life, um, 14 hours is sort of a, a biggish week. Um, last week, I think I drove about 1,500 kilometres for my job. Um, so to squeeze in 15 hours of training uh, was quite a lot. However, one of the sessions I did was partaking in an event called a Fun Duro. Now, those familiar with mountain biking events will have heard of enduros. Essentially, uh, it's like a downhill race where the downhill sections are timed, but you have to then get yourself pedaled back up to the top of the next section. So instead of a straight downhill race on one uh, one section of a track, it's a, a build-up of four or five different sections, uh, and each of the downhills are timed, but the uphills aren't. So in Dunedin, they ran this Fungero, which is kind of like an introductory to enduro racing um, had a lot of fun it was a fantastic day in Dunedin and if you get the chance to partake in a enduro funduro type of event um, I highly recommend it a little bit different to what I'm normally used to as well from a, a sort of a cross-country or a marathon racing uh, background but I think that's why I enjoyed it so much because it was fun um, and there was no pressure there from a, a performance point of view just a bunch of mates uh, having some fun bombing some downhills and enjoying some sun and maybe a beer or two afterwards. This week I am having a bit more of a recovery week. Um, again, I'm on the road for work, but I've also got a family wedding this weekend. So that's kind of reducing my time and enabling me to have a bit of a recovery week before getting into some, some bigger volumes over the next few weeks as I build up to the contact epic. Remember, if you're looking for a quality structured training plan to take the thinking out of your training, but you don't want the price tag that comes with the personalized training programs that we offer, check out the range of training plans over at exponentialperformancecoaching.com slash plans. We have a wide range of plans over there designed for specific events as well as general training plans. If you can't find a plan that suits your needs, then feel free to send us a message and we'll see what we can come up with for you. So that was exponentialperformancecoaching.com slash plans. Now what I want to jump into now is uh, an article that I thought was quite good from Eat Thrive Perform. I'm on the Eat Thrive Perform email list. Um, Eat Thrive Perform is a nutrition company um, that has two nutritionists working um, for it. One based in Australia, I believe, and the only reason I know about it is the other nutritionist is based in Dunedin, New Zealand, Sarah Richardson. I have um, referred a bunch of my athletes to her in the past. She actually used to be one of my lecturers uh, when I was going through university, um, and they put out some really good quality information. So if you haven't signed up for their newsletter, head over to eatthriveperform.com.au and you'll be able to, well, you'll find their website there. They've got an email list you can sign up for. They do a lot of stuff uh, for young athletes. So if you have a young athlete in your life, or you are a young athlete looking for some nutrition advice, head on over there, and uh, they've got some good information for you. If you're not a young athlete, if you're, uh, let's call it, 
a non-young athlete, not wanting to offend anyone, let's just be blunt about it. If you're old, if you're an old athlete, head on over there as well because they do have some really good information. So the the article that was sent to me um, was about supplements for sports injury, and I just really liked it because I was expecting um, a bunch of different pills that you got to take. But what they did is, well, I'll, I'll, I'll go through it and you'll, and you'll find out. So, so here is the article. What supplements should I take to help me mend faster? Our recent blog discussed nutrition strategies for a sports injury. And I actually posted that blog discussion over on the Exponential Performance Coaching Facebook page uh, a couple of weeks ago. And that's the one that they're talking about here. And I'll also put a link to it in the show notes so you can have a look at it as well. We've had quite a few questions since then asking about what supplements might help during an injury. Here is a list of foods. And this is why I really like this article. It's a list of foods that provide key nutrients that will support anyone through an injury. Let's ditch the pills and potions and work on real foods. This is what I really liked about this article is it wasn't just a bunch of uh, pills to go out and buy, it was a bunch of foods to go and eat. And when you have a think about the word supplement, supplement is a noun and it is a thing added to something else in order to complete or enhance it. The handout is a supplement to the official manual. And I like that because when you really think about it, supplements are supplementing your good normal diet. And so rather than jumping right to the uh, the peak of the spear, so to speak, what they've done in this article is really built that foundation of what foods should you be eating to help support your injury or your recovery from an injury. So this article structured each key nutrient has a why behind it, and then foods that you can find it in. So, key nutrient number one, vitamin C. Why would you take vitamin C? Well, it assists in wound healing and tissue repair and provides immune support. Foods that can contain vitamin C, citrus fruit, for example, oranges, lemons, mandarins, berries, red capsicum, watermelon, kiwi fruit, mango, kale, broccoli. Key nutrient number two, Vitamin A. Why? Well, vitamin A is important for cell growth and provides immune support. Foods where you'll find vitamin A. Sweet potato, tomatoes, carrots, red capsicum. Think all red and orange fruits and vegetables. That's where you're going to get vitamin A from. Next key nutrient, zinc. Well, it assists with wound healing, protein synthesis, and provides immune function. Foods where you'll find zinc, red meat, seafood, almonds, and seeds. Key nutrient, antioxidants. Why? Well, antioxidants reduce the inflammatory process. Foods where you're gonna find antioxidants, we've got blueberries, black currants, red and black grapes, green tea, and green tea extracts, and also dark chocolate, which is needs to be greater than 70% coca mass. Key nutrient, leucine. Why? Well, leucine 
is an essential amino acid for the stimulation of muscle protein synthesis. Now, muscle protein synthesis just means the production or the making of new protein, muscle protein in this case. Foods where you're going to find lutein. Well, aim for two grams per day. You can find this in about one cup of milk, which is 0.8 grams. Two cups of milk, you're going to find about 1.6 grams of leucine. 25 grams, sorry, 125 grams of red meat will give you about two grams of leucine. 150 grams of chicken is going to give you about two grams of leucine. And one serving of whey protein is going to give you about 2.8 grams of the amino acid leucine. So key if you're looking at repairing muscle damage or muscle injury there. Key nutrient, the final one here is vitamin D. Why is this important? Vitamin D is important for bone health and it provides immune support. Foods where you're going to find vitamin D, dairy products and fatty fish. Also, you can get vitamin D from safe sun exposure with the aim of getting somewhere between 5 to 30 minutes of sun exposure between 10 a.m. and 3 p.m. This is when the sun is at its most powerful or strongest, the rays uh, are the strongest. And this is really based on skin color. Now the darker your skin, the more time you need in the sun. So for me, who is extremely pasty white ginger, I'm probably only gonna need five minutes to get all my vitamin D sun exposure. If you're uh, a darker skin tone, you're gonna need a little bit longer. The final summing up comment is always remember that paying attention to the real food we eat is going to support us in many more ways than a single nutrient in a pill. So remember, keep it real. So hopefully you enjoyed that article. I found it really interesting and I really liked how it outlined the key nutrient you're after, interesting about what it actually does, and then some real foods that you can get it from. So you don't need to be going out buying all these pills and potions. Start with the basics, get that food dialed in, and then a supplement just is something to add or complete or to enhance what you've already got there. And I really like the example that the dictionary gives for supplement. The handout is a supplement to the official manual. Get that official manual dialed in first before you start chucking all the supplements at it. Like I said, I will post a link to that article so you can go and dig into it yourself. Um, but if you are interested, the website is eatthriveperform.com.au. Just remember, if you want to help shape the direction of this podcast, then send us through a question or topics you would like to know more about, either via voice message over at exponentialperformancecoaching.com slash ask or via a message through the website, Facebook or Instagram. That way, we'll be able to give you the information that you're after to answer your questions to help you train harder, but most importantly, help you train smarter. Now, EPC coach Nick Taylor is going to talk about hydration and a wee incident 
he had that reminded him the importance of hydration and how he should be managing things. Now this week I wanted to briefly address hydration um, and having sort of sat down to plan out what I was going to talk about, it's going to span over a few weeks I think because I don't want to do um, a rush job on any one segment and kind of want to be able to elaborate on different parts of hydration uh, within sporting performance but also to enable you guys to send in some questions along the next few weeks so we can answer some of them around hydration while we're talking about it. If you heard last week's show, you will remember me making reference to a, a session I did over summer where I had a, a health uh, issue arise. Now, basically, I set out for an 175-kilometer bike ride uh, over a trail called the Old Dunstan Trail, which is a, a sort of a gravel four-wheel drive road um, up through some high country. Uh, it was a hot day, um, sort of in the mid-20s most of the day and pretty much a headwind from the moment I left home so I was, I was essentially heading in, in one direction the whole way um, and this wore me down so over the course of the th it was 13 hours I was out there um, I was expecting it to take me 12 hours to do the whole thing um, and I fell probably it's about 40 to 50 kilometers short um, at the 9 10 hour mark I started to go downhill pretty badly um, I'd run out of water um, I'd failed to kind of pick up water at the, the previous river um, that I went through thinking I was okay and maybe from about the six hour on mark I had neglected to take on board electrolytes. So to kind of cut a lot very long story um, but very exciting story short um, from yeah that nine to ten hour mark I started to, to cramp up a little bit um, which then progressed to severe cramping. Uh, especially on the inside of my legs. Um, I couldn't clip into my pedals. Walking was okay, um, but it was very slow on the terrain that we were on. Um, I vomited on the side of the track, and basically I was pretty concerned that I wasn't actually going to get to the, the point where there was a vehicle um, that could pick me up. Um, end of the day, I managed to do, get, get through pretty much as, as far as I could. Um, the vehicle came a little bit closer to me and picked me up, so there was no major major safety concerns but it was a, a fairly big wake-up call for me in terms of a hydration point of view um, but more importantly an electrolyte point of view um, and just the, the sheer volume of sodium that I potentially need um, to replace during uh, intensive exercise. Um, I have had several instances in the past in various events uh, whether it be biking or running where I have been dehydrated like this before, uh, not to the point of, of vomiting, um, but certainly feeling really very nauseated, um, looking pretty gaunt in the face, and just basically cramping up and, and not being able to, to go on very quickly. So it's really sparked me on a journey of, of looking into my sodium output. Um, and one of the things we're gonna talk about today um, is sodium and, and how sodium plays a role in uh, hydration. So without further ado, I will jump into a conversation with you guys about hydration. Now, most people will be familiar with the fact that 60% of our body is made up of water. So therefore, hydration on a day-to-day -day basis is vital. Um, and obviously, if we didn't drink um, over the course of a period of time, we'd get 
pretty tired, um, then pretty lethargic and headaches um, to the point where basically we would just shut down um, at the end of being severely dehydrated. So they recommend, um, you know, in, in some blogs that, you know, you've got to drink your eight glasses of water, etc. But I think it's a little bit more important than that, that as athletes, we, we look at a slightly more um, appropriate value. So I would suggest around about two liters of water for someone that's in that 60-ish kg bracket. Um, someone that's closer to 90 kgs, you're looking at three liters. And then obviously somewhere in between those two for, for various weights. Um, but also that's not taking into account any extra uh, sweat loss from exercise. So as soon as you get outside and you do an hour's worth of training or you go to the gym for an hour, um, you have to then add on top of that. So that's where a sweat rate sort of test um, can come into play. So I'd be interested to know how many of you actually know what your approximate sweat rate is per hour of exercise. So one easy way to, to test this is to weigh yourself uh, without any of your training gear on before you go out for a session. Um, so yeah, so go to the toilet um, before you put your, your gear on, jump on the scales, go out for a session for an hour um, or two hours, and then come back, take off your sweaty clothes, wipe down any sweat off your body with a towel. And that difference between those two body weights is how much you have sweated in that session. So if you've gone out for an hour, um, obviously that number can be applied to a, an, a per hour sweat rate. If you've done two hours, you then have to divide it by two. And if you have drunk anything within that training session, you need to add that to the value of your sweat rate. So if you drank 300 mils of water in a, a one hour session and you'd lost a kg of body weight in that one hour, your sweat rate would be 1.3 litres per hour. Now, that same seems like quite a large number. Most averages sort of sit between 600 to 1.2, 1.5 litres per hour, um, but it does vary a lot between individuals, um, but also especially individually it varies a lot uh, based on how hard you go and the temperature. So if you live in a climate where the temperature is always fairly consistent, um, then you can get away with just sort of doing one, one of these tests. If you live in an uh, environment like myself, where we can have three or four degree days all the way through to 20 to 25 degree days, um, you need to kind of do a couple of measurements to get yourself a, a decent spectrum. So because this test doesn't cost anything, you can essentially treat it like a normal training session as well. Uh, you can get a good range of different uh, temperature tests. So therefore you know on a given day for a training session or for a race how much you need to be consuming from a, a liquid point of view. So from a pure hydration uh, via water point of view, we have a rough you know, two litres a day, um, up to three, if not a little bit more, depending on your body weight. And then we also have the additional uh, requirements from exercise. Um, so they're basically your, your baselines for the day um, that you need to be aware of um, just from simply drinking water. Now they do talk about uh, coffee and tea, um, obviously alcohol contains water as well, but if we look at just a pure drinking water, um, some people say if you drink coffee you have to have two glasses of water per every coffee you drink. Um, I don't think that's necessarily true. 
Uh, yes, coffee will be a diuretic to some point, but there is a lot of water in coffee itself. So I would say as long as you're hitting those baseline sort of targets, um, you can then have your coffee on top. You don't have to drink extra because you've had a coffee. Now, one of the main electrolytes that we lose in sweat is sodium. Now, as an electrolyte, sodium is partly responsible for helping us with muscular contractions uh, as it helps to transmit different nerve uh, conductions uh, in the body. And it does this with con or in conjunction with potassium um, in what we call the ATP A's, which is a pump basically sending sodium in and out of the cell, um, as well as potassium during muscular contractions. Another role that the, the body uses sodium for is fluid balance. So therefore having an adequate level of sodium in the body will maintain our hydration status better and prevent us from getting dehydrated. Um, also it keeps our blood volume um, in a better state as well. So the more blood volume we have, um, the easier it is essentially for us to get oxygen around the body and for us to transport various vitamins and minerals to, to the working muscles. Now, normal day-to-day -day, uh, sodium levels aren't generally too bad if we're eating sort of a balanced diet um, and you might be adding a little bit of salt to some food. Um, it's only when we start to do excessive exercise um, on a regular basis or it's really hot um, that we need to consider supplementing with some sort of sodium uh, or electrolyte drink. Um, the hardest part though is working out what level of sodium you need. Um, so the amount of sodium we, we lose in sweat is very individualised and people can have quite low sodium losses around 200-300 milligrams an hour um, and some people can have excessive uh, losses upwards of 1500 milligrams per hour. So therefore the ability to know what your sodium uh, sweat rate is is quite important especially when looking at what sort of hydration strategy to use for a, a race or training. Now, if you live in a city where you have access to a lab, um, or in some countries you can get access to some sweat patches that then the lab analyzes, um, this is the most accurate way, obviously, of analyzing your sodium amount. If you live in New Zealand and you don't have access to a lab, so down where I live in Dunedin, we, we don't, um, you can go onto the Precision Hydration website and on their website they have a questionnaire basically that helps identify that whether you're a low, medium or, or high sweater, um, ah, sodium sweater sorry. So I'd encourage you to jump on there and have a look even as a, a first off point of call. Um, see what you're roughly might be looking at from an outpoint point of view and then you can start to adapt your uh, sports drinks to your sodium output. Now, Precision Hydration do manufacture their own product. Uh, this used to be available in New Zealand. Uh, the distribution um, network into New Zealand is not going so well at the moment, so I can't guarantee you're about to get access to their product, but you can purchase it off their website from the UK. Um, but bear in mind when you do take the test that they will be recommending a, a product on the outside of that, um, and that will be one of their products. But they do have a fantastic product in the respect that they have a very wide range of sodium based products starting at about 250 milligrams going all the way up to 1500. So if you're a high sodium sweater like myself you can use the, the higher products and obviously if you're a lower sweater you can use the, the lower product. Now I realise I've probably been talking in circles uh, throughout the last 10 minutes 
but hopefully some of what I've said has kind of made some sense and your kind of your challenge or goal for this week is to jump onto that website and have a look uh, do the quiz and also jump outside and do a sweat rate test to see a how much liquid you're sweating um, and b what kind of range of sodium you might be outputting um, one of the things I'm going to focus on next week is around this concept of sodium preloading so how we can kind of top up our body adequately in the days leading up to an event um, and therefore we need potentially less during the course of that event um, and that's really important if you don't have access to a high sodium based product out on a course so to speak or if you're going into a event or training session that is going to be hot. So to finish up today's segment I wanted to ask a slightly different question of our listeners and I wanted to know what books you are reading at the moment. Um, on a mission this year to read more. Uh, in the moment I'm in the middle of reading a book uh, based around free diving and the, the sort of science and maybe the art of free diving and the exploration of the sea using free diving versus scuba. Um, and it's fascinating so far. So maybe over the next few weeks I'll bring you a little few snippets from that. But I'd love to know what books you're reading, what you'd recommend, so I can move on to, to some of them later. So jump onto Facebook, onto Instagram, send Maddie or myself a message and let me know. Good luck to those doing challenge and we'll chat to you next week. Bye. If you found this podcast helpful and you would like to see it continue into the future, then it would be greatly appreciate it if you could head over to iTunes and take 30 seconds to leave us a review over there and a rating. These reviews help the podcast ranking, which helps the exposure of it, which will mean that it is able to be sustained long into the future because we've got more people listening to it. We really appreciate all the reviews and comments that you leave and we read through all of them, so please keep them coming. For all the resources mentioned in today's episode, and there was a lot, check out the show notes over at exponentialperformancecoaching.com slash 51 for episode 51. And to make sure you don't miss out on any of the upcoming podcasts or videos, make sure you head over and subscribe to my YouTube channel over at youtube.com slash Matty, M-A-T-T-Y, E-P-C. Or come over to the Exponential Performance Coaching Facebook page or find us on Instagram to continue the conversation. I am at Matty EPC and Nick is at its underscore a underscore Nick's underscore life. Still think we need to change that name, Nick. That's over on Instagram. Until next time, get out there and train hard, but most importantly, train smart. We'll talk to you next week.